Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. We're going to talk about anxiety, an unfortunate emotion that impacts so many of us at middle age, unfortunately at any age, including our children and teenagers. And our subject is not pleasant, but before you tune us out, the good news is my next guest, psychotherapist Elke Schultz, is going to help you overcome anxiety. And in fact, Elke Schultz is known far and wide as the anxiety warrior because she has helped folks like you and me worldwide overcome fears, panic, worrisome days, and sleepless nights. And Lord knows anxiety lurks everywhere in our pressure-packed 24-7 modern uh, way of living and uh, consistently high levels of anxiety can even shorten your lifespan but let me ask you can you imagine a life completely free of anxiety well as Elke tells us this is not likely because anxiety may be a gift or a clue notifying us that we need to pay attention to something maybe we're falling asleep at the wheel for instance and we better be anxious before we run into somebody else or end up in the ditch. But uh, we don't want to uh, have anxiety. Something's amiss that uh, if we are dominated by anxiety and are anxious all the time, and the good news, Elke tells us we can have a life where anxiety does not control our life, our day-to-day decisions, and our choices. And she's here to demonstrate how applying positive thoughts ideas and strategies that resonate within us, each of us will be better able to manage our anxiety and enjoy more fully all the good things in life. And before I introduce her, here are Elke Schultz's qualifications. She's a registered psychotherapist. For over 35 years, she's helped 10,000 adults and children overcome anxiety and lead happier lives. She suffered herself through many years of anxiety, which she has overcome, enhancing her ability to counsel others. And she's a writer who has had articles published in 12 national magazines. She's well-known author of Anxiety Warrior, Volumes 1 and 2, and Loving Your Life, now in its third edition. And in addition to psychotherapy and writing, Elke is an accomplished artist, poet, as well as a registered expressive arts educator consultant. And Elke and her family reside in Bracebridge, Ontario, Canada, which is uh, about 100 miles thereabouts uh, north of Toronto. And hello, Elke Schultz. It's indeed rare to interview an individual accomplished in so many different fields. Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, thank you. Well, I'd like to begin with the basics. Can you please give our listeners a definition of the term anxiety and what brings Well, anxiety is 
anticipatory. So what happens is fear, if you're walking through the woods, and especially up north up here, um, and you come across a bear, well, then you're going to be afraid and you're going to run, hopefully, or make lots of noises if it's a black bear. And um, so anticipatory uh, fear or anxiety is if I'm going out for a walk and I've heard about bears, however, I don't see one, however, I'm starting to get very anxious and worrying and um, I'm anticipating uh, something happening. So that's the difference of fear and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, I once upon a time came across a mother bear with her cub in the Smoky Mountains. That was pretty scary. Yep. Yeah, so that's real. That's fear, and it's right there in front of you, and, um, well, you want to be be able to do something, right? Yeah. Well, you tell us there are several different types of anxiety. Can you briefly describe, uh, maybe not all of them, but some of these seven? Uh... Well, most of the uh, – yeah, I can quickly describe them. Um, and generalized anxiety um, – is uh, when you're anxious, and anxiety, I want to say, isn't always a bad thing. It's like your spidey sense, your intuitive, telling you something is amiss, or maybe that you need to pay attention to something. So this anticipatory um, anxiety or stress feeling is important to have. However, where it gets to be a problem is uh, when it stands um, in front of you and stops you from doing things you want to do or hope to do. So that's an, um, generalized anxiety. Um, social phobia uh, is another one uh, stopping you from going out and socializing. Panic disorder is when you're having panic attacks. Agoraphobia, again, is um, people that don't want to go outside. They want to stay in their homes. Yeah, that was so, the only one uh, and then, of course, we still have post-traumatic stress. And and with that one, you want to be able to get some help. Some of the other ones, that's why I wrote the book, is there's a lot of tips in how to manage uh, most uh, levels of anxiety. What's this obsessive-compulsive disorder? I don't think you mentioned that one. No, it was the the uh, last one. And that one is when you feel that you need to do certain things before uh, you can go out. Um, it's an obsession. They're thought-based. Usually, you know, you, you feel like you can't uh, get rid of a feeling unless you do certain things or actions. Yeah. And you can also have obsessive thought, thought patterns as well. Well, here's a question that confuses me. What's the difference between anxiety and stress, which we also often hear? Well, and you know, that's a really great question, Roy, because I get asked that a lot when I do talks. And what happens is anxiety uh, becomes a very strange word. And um, what what happens is we have a lot of different feelings that come with anxiety. And um, so we might feel... Um, butterflies in our stomach. We may act out by biting our nails or shaking or fiddling or fidgeting or we may not be able to sleep. The interesting part is that stress can also cause uh, these type of reactions. So which is first, stress or anxiety? You know what? I, I, I'm not sure that it's something that we need to kind of draw a line on. So I think anxiety is a type of stress, 
and I think some stresses certainly can cause anxiety. So I, I hope that that helps and doesn't uh, confuse things, but certainly um, let me know how I yeah, can define you, you it better. You talk about uh, stress from, say, you're underwater and you can't breathe or uh, you know, lack of water, you're out in the desert or extreme cold or hunger, pain, discomfort, etc. So I guess there's a lot of other stress other than anxiety. Right, and I think they tend to go together, that it's not such a straight line. Like, I don't think that having, um, let's say, I think a stressor, let's say um, an exam or going to the doctors or perhaps moving, that's a type of stress, and those things can create uh, physical symptoms which, you know, may feel like anxiety. So maybe that's, and and we tend to use the word, we we tend to say things like, I feel stressed. So um, that could amount to a lot of different feelings. So, you know, they kind of, like I said, the the line isn't so so, um, clear there uh, in those definitions. Well, this is in your book, Anxiety uh, Warrior, Volume 1. You reveal that you've had anxiety all your life. And I was especially intrigued by your experience 15 years ago when you shared that you didn't sleep for two years. You yep. laid awake staring at the ceiling. How could you uh, continue living like that and perform your profession as a psychotherapist? Indeed, how are you able to retain relationships and your sanity if you want all those 730 days or thereabouts. Well, the interesting part is um, I had that insomnia before I became a psychotherapist, so I'll just say that. Uh, Though what happens, uh, and this happens to a lot of clients that have insomnia as well, is that you learn to rest. So you can lay there awake, and it's not a good rest because we do need sleep, and... um, um, yeah, you end up getting sick and tired and wore out, and it's not good. I actually had to um, I had to go to the doctor um, because um, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't get myself to sleep, and I tried lots of techniques, and in the end, it was trauma that had uh, kept me awake. So, when you know, if, if somebody is experiencing long-term insomnia. You definitely want to seek uh, uh, medical help or counseling for sure, um, especially if you can't uh, seem to manage it yourself. So you do end up uh, uh, resting, and uh, it, they become very long nights. Wow. So, yeah, well, uh, lo- uh, people do it. I know I have clients that do it as well, though I do encourage them to get um, uh, some medical help. And we also look at, you know, what is keeping that brain awake. Yeah, that's- well, in your book's introduction, you reveal that fortunately today, as you say, I manage my anxiety. What does this yep. mean? How do you manage your anxiety? And <laughs> Do you ever suffer relapses? Well, anxiety, um, we all have anxiety at different levels. It's a human um, experience that we all have. So not all anxiety... Um, you know, it, it, not all anxiety is extreme to a point where it stops you from doing something. So if I'm a little bit excited or anxious, that's okay. It doesn't stop me from doing something. So you get to learn, you know, what are your levels. Um, if 
I'm at a place where I can't put my thoughts together, I'm shaking, well, then, you know, i got to really pull out my strategies or I've got to reach out for help. That doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, it's, it's quite rare. And what I've learned, and I encourage um, clients and people that read my book, is we can uh, learn to manage our anxiety, and it's about uh, knowing you know, when we're going to reach those higher levels and when it's going to uh, create uh, issues for us. Not everybody has that, um, but uh, there are certainly strategies that bring that anxiety down. Yeah, and you talk about 11 layers of anxiety. We don't have yep. time to get into all 11, but uh, could you describe like two or three of these layers? And Sure, and, and that I think, thank you for asking, because what happens is, you know, we think, oh, yeah, um, that exam or that doctor's appointment created anxiety. So then when that's over, uh, our anxiety level goes uh, lower. But then we're wondering, why are we still anxious? And that's the interesting part about anxiety. It comes from 11 different places. And um, so one of them being uh, substances. So it could be from caffeine or sugar or white flour or any food sensitivity that you might have. Um, It could be from alcohol use. All these things can trigger the brain. And even something as simple as not having enough water. And you you mentioned, Roy, about uh, being in the desert and having anxiety. Well, your body, your brain will give out signals of anxiety if you're dehydrated. So something as simple as uh, waking up in the morning, some of my clients wake up in the morning and they have anxiety, uh, a quarter cup of water um, uh, sometimes can lower that because uh, if we've been sweating all night, we're dehydrated. And we can lower our anxiety um, a couple notches, which you know, to a lot of people that means a lot. So, So that's one... Uh, layer. Uh, another layer is physical, and um, as uh, you've done programs, you know, about nature and different things that as we exercise and get those endorphins, that actually helps uh, lower anxiety as well. So, um, and then again, we need our sleep. So, is it the lack of sleep that's creating anxiety, or um, do we need to get out and be more physical? So, those are two of uh, the 11. I don't know how much time we have. But oh, I, I can relate to one negative thinking. I have that problem often. Yeah. Thinking negative about myself or others and uh, something I always have. To yep, have. and that is also a cause of, um, um, it's in there, um, and that is um, also a cause of anxiety as well. Overstimulation, culture, social beliefs, self-doubt, perfectionism, high sensitivity, uh, memories, and then of course I tell people if they've got um, traumas, then um, you know I encourage people to seek out uh, professional help for the traumas. But a lot of the other uh, layers, when I do again when I do lectures, people go, oh yeah, I can manage that or I can change that. So there's a lot of things that we can do to lower our uh, levels of anxiety. We know where the anxiety is coming from. It's, it's part of the problem, I think, if you, if you can identify, oh, yeah, that's because of trauma I suffered years and years ago, and it's not really relevant to now. If you can identify that kind of thing, sometimes it's, it's a major help, I would think. Yep. Yeah, and that's one of the things I say in the book, too, is, you know, if I if I could give people two words 
from this interview. It's self-awareness, so awareness. And the other is practice. Life is a practice. And uh, that's why when I start in the introduction, it's not about getting over anxiety. It's about knowing who you are. It's about uh, knowing where the different uh, layers are for you because they're all different. And it also uh, is, you know, what strategies work best for you. And uh, my philosophy is that I, you know, I offer this smorgasbord of ideas, though it's really important to make it your own and, uh, you know, what's best for you is going to be different than what's best for me. And I can certainly offer, you know, a whole bunch of strategies, though you're going to get excited about a few, and and um, and that's awesome. Well, let's talk a bit about your Anxiety Warrior books, Volume 1 and 2. Who yep. are these book, two books intended for? Are they for uh, anxious individuals or for mental health professionals? And uh, what would you uh, like readers to take away from them? Well, no, th- thanks for that question, Roy, because I do actually have uh, a lot of mental health uh, professionals and teachers and parents um, buy both volumes because they're just chock full of strategies. Um, there's 31 contributors in both like books combined, and um, everybody and all actually all of us have given lists of different strategies and resources. So, um, you know, that has helped um, a lot. So a lot of people, I have professionals buy multiple copies and give to their clients and things like that. And then um, I've actually, the books are written um, uh, in a very approachable way. So I actually have teenagers uh, that read it because they come back and say, oh, wow, that really worked and thank you and and uh, lots of cool uh, testimonials. So um, I think, uh, you know, if you're you're able to understand some of the exercises, then certainly the book uh, will help. Yeah. Where's the best place for uh, listeners to go to preview and uh, purchase those books? Well, to preview them, they can actually go on my website, um, and it's Elka Scholz, and that's E-L-K-E-S-C-H-O-L-Z. Um, the other play, and there's uh, sample chapters on my website. You don't have to sign up or anything. You can just go ahead and, and preview it. The other place is um, Amazon. Uh, it is also available as an audio book. So uh, you can get that through Amazon and some of the different uh, audio platforms. Um, if you type it in, um, it'll, it's also available in all the e-platforms as well. So you can get it as an e-book. So you just go into your own e-book platform, and uh, it's it's available there. They there. Start with volume one or two, or uh, do I need to read both of them, or what? Well, certainly start with volume one because it explains. Um, you know, the types of anxiety and the different layers, and there already is a lot of exercises in it. Uh, volume 2 um, expands more on, um, you know, yoga that is specific for anxiety or certain teas, essential oils, uh, uh, some of those strategies that uh, weren't, well, they were mentioned but not uh, written about in the first book. And then there's also in Volume 2 stories of uh, people that um, have overcome uh, hardships and anxiety, and they tell their story. So, oh, that's great. And yeah. uh, you also, I noticed, offer a uh, weekly thoughts that people can sign up for yep. uh, for through your website. 
Yep, and it's free. There's no charge for that, and uh, they're just uh, inspirational thoughts, and they're taken from the book, and uh, yeah, so lots of people seem to enjoy that. And that's AlkaSchultz.com. Where do they go to get that? Then, well, in conclusion, Alka Schultz is the most valuable uh, psychotherapist and authority on anxiety <laughs> because she's been there and done that. She herself suffered through anxiety. Few of us can even imagine as a young child and then as a young adult, including two years when her anxieties wouldn't let her go to sleep. And if you're anxious and therefore far from joyful in your daily living, I highly recommend you preview and purchase one or both of Elka Schultz's Anxiety Warrior volumes and experience for yourself what a life-managing anxiety feels like. And as Elka puts it, it feels empowering. It feels like I have a choice. It feels like I can. It feels like I have the right to be happy. And it feels like I'm worthy of striving. And as Elka recommends, next time you wake up with anxiety, you can go through a mental checklist, a a process described in Elka's book, and within 10 to 30 minutes, the anxiety usually is gone. And that sounds great. And thank you so much, Elka Schultz, for your most uh, helpful insights. And thank uh, all the listeners for tuning in to our program today. Absolutely. And thank you, Roy, uh, for honoring me. And uh, I really do uh, hope that it helps people. That's that's um, my purpose is just to make it easier for people. So it's pretty awesome. Thank you so much. Go to our website, and thank you so much. Well, Labor Day weekend is coming up, followed by early autumn. Saturday afternoon football games, pumpkin festivals, lots of outdoor activities. And I know we've all been warned to wear sun protection, but just how safe are the sunscreens that we use? And to conclude today's program, I'm going to talk with Marcella Popa, M.D., who warns that many of the popular sunscreens may contain substances and chemicals that could be harmful to our health. And she's here today to reveal what types of sunscreens are the safest and what ingredients to avoid. And before I introduce her, here are Dr. Boba's qualifications. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician who practiced medicine in the U.S. for 16 years before autoimmune arthritis forced her into early retirement. But after that, she undertook exhaustive research on the causes of her condition prompted by suspicion that certain chemicals present are present in everyday products were worsening her arthritis, migraine headaches, and recurrent breast abnormalities. <clears throat> Excuse me, and she's author of the highly revealing 2017 book, Keep Away from Grass, generally recognized as safe. And hello, Dr. Popa. We are honored to have you with us here today. Thank you. The honor is all mine. Well, to begin, uh, can you please reveal for us what are some of the potentially harmful substances and chemicals that are contained in some of the most popular sunscreen products? Oh, sure. Um, there are um, the sunscreen ingredients would be um, the filters for the uh, uh, ultraviolet radiation, which should be um, UVA and UVB. Yeah. Uh, and some of these filters are um, uh, hormone disrupting um, chemicals, oh. like uh, oxybenzone, homosalate, octinoxate. So these are all 
substances which would get absorbed and they play some games with our hormonal system. Hmm. Um, other substances which are included are um, preservatives, which could be allergenic, um, fragrance, which, again, it's usually composed of a chemical um, category called phthalates, which, again, it's hmm. a, an estrogen-like um, substance, parabens, um, and some others are deri- derivatives of um, antifreeze, let's put it this way, because a lot of people are familiar with that, uh, ethylene glycol or ethylene oxide um, for um, um, more um, technical um, uh, correctitude. But, um, again, they're all um, substances which have um, no place in the human body, and they could have um, a potential um, um, health um, um problem uh, in the long run, especially since we're exposed to them so many times throughout the summer, and some of the other ingredients, not the uh, uh, UV filters, are used in a lot of cosmetics. Well, I think I'd uh, keep those that antifreeze in the car. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we apply sunscreen lotion to our skin, how do the harmful chemicals get inside us to do us harm? I'm sorry, what others? No, how do how do they get do inside they, since they're um, the skin absorbs a, a terrible amount of this in, um, ingredient, um, oh, and see. we don't really realize that. We think that it's very important um, uh, to think of the things we eat, but what we apply on our skin, it's something that it's really really important as well. And um, how do they work on our? Um, um, Hormones, some of these chemicals could um, act uh, on uh, affecting the secretion of the hormones. Oh, others, wow. they interfere with their um, uh, metabolism, with their disposal, while others can compete with the estrogen receptors in the body. So mm-hmm. whether you're a male or a female, I would think that the extra estrogens are not something they're beneficial. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in the drugstore buying sunscreen lotion, what should I look for? What types of sunscreens are safest, and what active ingredients should I seek to avoid? Are they revealed on the on the labels or? Yes, they do now. They absolutely do. I the category that's safer in the United States um, is uh, part. It's what it's called mineral sunscreens, and oh. mineral sunscreens are made of titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. And there are some mineral sunscreens which contain the additional substances that I discussed, which could be um, also causing allergies, like they have these preservatives that are responsible for allergic reactions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, basically there are certain producers, certain manufacturers that have a very short list of ingredients besides this titanium dioxide or zinc oxide. So those are the safer one, and they provide good UVA and UVB protection. And, of course, we have to take into account not to stay in the sun too long. These are not um, a negligible factor. The time that we spend in the sun, the time of the day, um, we should try to use shade as much as possible. We should try to use um, protective clothing as well. So, uh, but when it comes to applying sunscreen, um, the titanium dioxide and zinc oxide ingredients are uh, the best choice we have. Oh, I see. Well, the creams and lotions 
better for us than sprays? That's correct. That's correct. Because um, the sprays, in order to make the product into a spray, they have to use um, nanoparticles, which are very, very tiny particles, which don't get absorbed through the skin, but applying Mm. them multiple times um, allows us, quote-unquote, to inhale them. And that's something that's not good for the lungs. That's what I would think. I wouldn't want any part of that. But uh, Well, I searched our medicine cabinet and discovered three different sunscreen lotions with SPFs, as they call them, of 30, 45, and 50. What the heck is an SPF rating? And what do those numbers mean when it comes to sun protection? And what is the minimal acceptable uh, SPF rating? For protection, I know we had one that was uh, 50 and one was 30. Is the 50 better somehow than the 30 SPF? And what do manufacturers mean by broad spectrum SPF, which all of them list? Yeah, um, SPF um, 50 is definitely better than SPF 30. The misleading part is SPF 100, which doesn't confer more pro- a lot more protection than um, SPF uh, 50. For instance, the SPF number means that, let's say, if you burn um, or your skin gets red in the sun after 30 minutes, and I'm talking about midday sun, yeah. applying SPF 100 means that you have you could stay in the sun 100 times longer, or SPF oh, 50, 50 times longer. Oh, so wow. with SPF 50, it would be about 25 hours. And we know that's not really um, something that it's realistic, um, but um, it gives us an idea that you could stay in the sun a little longer than you would normally do without um, skin uh, protection. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the SPF 100 is misleading it has to do with the um, the amount of um, ultraviolet l- uh, rays that it blocks. SPF 50 blocks about 97, 98. SPF 100 blocks 99, let's say. <laughs> so that's a minimal protection uh, increase. And the other, on the other hand, we have a lot more chemicals which are included in this SPF 100 in order to make up for the number. Mm. Um, the other part is that um, a lot of the... Um, products that are tested, they don't really have the SPF that it's said on the label. They have much less. (laughs) And the more confusing part is that if you think that you went and bought an SPF 100 sunscreen, you said, wow, this is going to protect me so much better, when in reality it doesn't. So you have a tendency to stay out in the sun a bit longer or a lot longer and not to use shade or the additional protection by clothing. And in the end, what's happening is that you have a higher chance to develop not just sunburn, which is very unpleasant as it is, but also it increases um, your chance to develop skin cancer, like UVB or no, carcinoma. (laughs) And uh, UVAs are a lot more penetrating, and they generate free radicals, and they're linked to developing melanomas. Oh, wow. What's this broad spectrum mean? Broad spectrum means that it covers both UVA and UVB. Oh, I see. Um, um, so... Um, it really, it's supposed to be a good sunscreen uh, when it says broad spectrum. 
But um, what we also have to keep in mind is that some of the sunscreen ingredients which are used in the United States, they um, are... Um, um, they don't have what is called photostability, which means that they could degenerate into right. harmful products when exposed to the UV light. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that, you know, people are not generally aware of. So um, uh, it is broad spectrum, but it's not um, doing such a great job um, under uh, the sunlight. Well, if we might, I'd like to move on briefly to some other common everyday products we use or ingest that over time can be detrimental to our health, and they're contained in your book, Keep Away from Grass. And G-R-A-S is an acronym. What does that stand for again, the four letters? (laughs) It stands for Generally Recognized as Safe, and it's a way of um, the regulating agencies to, um, to say that we're safe when we use this product included in um, uh, multiple items uh, we apply on our skin or we eat. But um, if we think of substances generally recognized as safe being included in pretty much all we eat and all we apply on our skin and yeah. all the cleaning products, then I think it adds up to a pretty significant amount to be considered detrimental to our health in the long run. And the problem with the substances is that they don't really cause a a health issue right away, something that's obvious, like unless it's an allergic reaction, which then you think, ooh, I have an allergic reaction to this product, I have to stop using it. But I think all this built-up chemicals, uh, which our body cannot dispose of or they have um, certain action on let's say, estrogen receptors, as we discussed, or on mm. other cells in our body are not something that we want. But they, I guess there's not enough immediate evidence for the Food and Drug Administration or the EPA or any one of those agencies in the U.S. government to uh, ban the substance or uh, limit them. Or, or You tell me that uh, you mentioned that uh, they do ban these things in some other countries. Um, yes, they do. As a matter of fact, um, it, it's been quite um, a topic in the news lately about the pesticide that it's used on fruits and vegetables, and then it's linked to um, uh, problems in children, neurological oh. problems. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, uh, clopyrifos is the name of it. And that's oh. being banned in Europe. They are supposed to remove it completely from, um, I think, 2020? Oh, and um, I think um, recently um, EPA said that it's not enough evidence to um, to ban it in the United States, and it's still going to be used. And um, <laughs> I think I'd pay attention to what Europe says. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of um, a stricter regulation, and I think. I'll, Many times people think, that, oh, oh, the government interferes with that. But when it comes to protecting the health of uh, people, I think the regulations are um, something that I would welcome. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, what was your mission in writing your book, Keep Away from Grass? Oh, my mission <laughs> that has to do with um, raising awareness of this um, chemicals which are present in our lives in everyday products and 
hopefully, if people are aware of this, um, maybe the regulating agencies or maybe even the manufacturer first would hopefully try to phase out some of these um, chemicals in their yeah. products. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Well, yeah, that's a best? tall order. But um, yeah. I like to think of this as... Um, uh, the problems um, that were in banning uh, smoking in, uh, or uh, acknowledging that smoking cigarettes is something that is detrimental to our health, yeah, and that's time, not that something that happened become... for many decades. <laughs> so a lot of time, but now most people agree with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I remember I watched on YouTube how they uh, testified to the Congress that it's not... Um, cancer causing and it's not <laughs> addictive and that was i think in 73 or something yeah i remember that <laughs> so <laughs> it took a very long time and my point is that i don't want myself or my family or whoever is interested in this possibilities to wait until the regulations come that may no. be a little too late for our generation for our children so that's why I'm trying to raise awareness of these substances and also to um, um, to express the benefit I had from removing uh, some of the chemicals. Yeah, um, you that went were, through personally. Uh, it's yeah. Nice to talk to somebody who's had the personal experience uh, rather than just rely on scientific knowledge when you've actually been there and done that. Yes, I mean, usually we rely, as as a physician, we rely on scientific knowledge, we rely on studies, but some of the studies are somewhat difficult to conduct. On the other hand, um, my point is there is any suspicion about a certain substance. At the family or household level, you could make the adjustments as long as you have replacements. And luckily for us, the replacements are available in pretty much almost anything. I I feel blessed that, you know, smaller companies have created safer products and we have access to them and they're available online and they're available in certain stores. So it's not like you have to travel miles to get to buy a healthy product. Well, where's the best place for our listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Keep away from uh, the book is available on Amazon, and it's available as paperback and um, uh, Kindle format. Oh, I see. Yeah, I found and, it. And uh, it may sound like it's a difficult book to read throughout. I wanted to explain how I reached my conclusions, but at every chapter almost, I have a lot of lists of substances that are I find that are detrimental to my health, mm-hmm. and I found articles that are not healthy in general. So if you don't have the, if the listeners don't have the patience to go through the book and find all the details, they could go to the lists and see, hmm, this is what I should avoid, this is what I should replace it with, yeah. and then yeah. I have a resource page where it tells them where to go to buy uh, this yeah. product, um, the websites that I use. And that actually, would be extremely valuable if nothing else were contained in the book. Yeah. I know from your website you're also a... Uh, coach and a public speaker. What's your website address so our listeners can learn more? Uh, it's drpopaslist.com. Dr. Popa, what's that again? Drpopaslist.com. Oh, yeah, okay. it's like Craigslist, <laughs> but Dr. But you also, I noticed, had a, a website, MarcellaMagdaPopaMD.com. 
Right. I uh, actually um, redirected that um, Dr. Popa's list to my original website because um, I think when I say the full name of the original website URL, it gets a little complicated to uh, for people to remember. While oh, Dr. Popa's list, um, it's a little easier to remember when yeah, you mention it. Yeah, that is much easier. So mention well, uh, it. So they should go there then. Well, they conclude, are you, your kids, a close friend or a loved one, routinely sick or under the weather? And your usual healthcare practitioners, even with their sophisticated labs and medical tests, can't figure out why. Well, as my desk, uh, guest, Dr. Marcella Popa, explains in her book, Keep Away from Grass, it might be because you are consuming toxic chemicals or other substances found in everyday products. And heck, even if you presently look great and feel great, over time these chemicals may be doing you harm. An illness or some other uh, manifestation just hasn't arrived yet, and it only makes sense for you and I to recognize and acknowledge hazards potentially lurking in our personal care items, our medical uh, chest, the sunscreen, laundry, cleaning products, foods, and medication. And as one Amazon reviewer puts it, this is an eye-opening book for me. And thanks a million, Dr. Popa, for your sound advice. Best success with your book, your uh, research, speaking, and your personal coaching. Yes, thank you so much. I would uh, like the the listeners if they have improvements, re- you know, in their health re- by removing the chemicals I talk about, to tell their doctors because I feel that some of these doctors, some may be um, interested in research, and eventually, if they hear it from a lot of people they would think, hmm, this is a good research idea. Let's try to get into it, and maybe um, thus we'll um, have some regulation changes. Yeah, we patients definitely should be members of the team and uh, give that feedback to our doctors. And uh, you listeners, bye for now. Tune in again next week when we'll talk about raising emotionally healthy offspring. Speak with you then, and in the interim, And never forget that middle age can be your best age. So go out and act like it. Enjoy life every day. So long. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 